Welcome. Welcome here to North Haven. My name is Adam Sidler. I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room, and welcome to those of you that are online. If we haven't met yet, I want a chance to be able to do that. Um, you can also connect with one of our other pastors. Uh, pastor Don Mortensen will be on the comments as well. And we'd love to know how it is that we can connect with you and support you and pray for you. As a matter of fact, in uh, your pews right in front of you, you'll see a connection card. And if you want to fill that out and let us know how we can be praying for you, we do that each week. The staff, uh, we meet weekly and we sit down and we pray for all these requests that are given to us um, because we want to walk with you. We're not meant to do this alone. And, and one thing I just want to kind of say right off the bat, um, we got to turn the tide on something. You know, so as a church, we're part of this. Um, there's, yes, there's, there's been this pandemic that's, that's happened. But you know what else has happened is nationwide uh, here in the United States, on average, churches um, have dropped 40% in attendance. And you know what that means to me more than anything else is that there are a lot of people who are trying to go through life right now without family and community that can be found here at North Haven and in many other churches. Um, and, and so we want to be able to not only experience that ourselves, but we want other people to experience that as well. And, and you know, I can only do so much, and I, I need, and, and I'm asking you to walk with me in this journey of, of just simply inviting people, asking a question, uh, very simply say, hey, you going to church? You know, people aren't going to yell at you if you ask them if they're going to church. Um, they, they'll, uh, they'll answer it. They'll either tell you no, or they'll, they'll say yes, and, and if it's no, hey, I know of one. You can come check it out, and uh, I'd love to go with you. Real simple. Uh, you don't have to buy lunch, you know, it's all good. You got to laugh a little bit, know me, just help me know that you're here. All right, thank you, thank you. But anyways, let's, let's, let's fill these seats because, you know, people matter, numbers matter because people matter, numbers represent people and people matter to God. Uh, so we want to help, help others experience this, uh, the community that we have here at North Haven. So we are going through a series, and we're going to jump right into that here in just a second, um, uh, where we're looking at the first season of The Chosen. Um, and if you haven't watched it yet, we, we want to invite you to do that. It's free. Um, you can easily access it. We have study guides that are available, physical copies that you can interact with or at the information desk in the commons, as well as you can go to our website, and you can download that study guide and follow it. Um, there's instructions in that study guide as to how to access this content. So you can um, uh, get all those questions answered and join us in this journey. But before we go into the chosen, two things I want to uh, mention. The first is Friday night. Uh, if you were here for the, uh, the medical missions fundraising event, it was a fantastic time. A lot of great food and hearing about how God is using Ron and Colleen Johannesson and then how we as a church are committed to uh, being a part of that as well. I'm really looking forward to that. So first of all, thank you so much to those of you that volunteered to be a part of that. Yeah, go ahead and give them a round of applause. It was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. 
Um, and, and we want to uh, continue to um, talk about that and uh, interact with that because you know, God is calling us to uh, be involved in not only helping people in a very practical way through medical missions, um, having access to procedures and, and, um, and uh, testing that uh, they no- normally wouldn't have, but then even more importantly, sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I'm looking forward to what God's going to do. Also, um, we are asking you to prayerfully consider being a part of our Afghan refugee supply drive. We sent out an email, a couple of emails actually last week. There are 13,000 Afghan refugees in Toma, Wisconsin, not far from here at Fort McCoy. And uh, we are asking you to consider bringing some of these items. There's a list in those emails. If you didn't get that email, you can uh, talk to um, Pastor Don and myself here this morning, um, and we can give you that information. Um, But uh, basically, we have access points here at the church during the week. 15th Avenue entrance, you can drop those items in the, in the uh, bin, and then on Sundays we have a bin in the hallway um, out through the commons as well. So let's be a part of that too. All right, so The Chosen. Hopefully you've been watching it. If you haven't seen it yet before, hopefully maybe you've gotten invested in that. Um, It's a fantastic show. Two seasons have been made so far. We're going through season one right now, eight episodes. So last week we we started with, obviously, episode one, and we talked about um, a little bit, uh, kind of setting the stage of what is The Chosen, what's that all about. Michael shared a little bit of that information Um, in the announcement video. But the first thing I want to start out with is this disclaimer. This is on the first episode. When you watch it, you'll see this pop up on the screen. This is what the creators of The Chosen, they want to make sure that you and I understand. The Chosen is based on the true stories of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Some locations and timelines have been combined or condensed. Uh, Backstories and some characters or dialogue have been added. However, all biblical and historical context and any artistic imagination are designed to support the truth and intention of the scriptures. Viewers are encouraged to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. The original names, locations, and phrases have been transliterated into English for anything spoken. All that to say is that our focus Uh, Today, and and then subsequently for the next six weeks through the series, we're taking our cue from from this, from the Bible, from the Word of God. We are not taking our cue from a a, a TV show. Um, We're we're not treating this series as the, the show, rather, as gospel. Rather, we are using it as a springboard into what God teaches us here. So as always, I encourage you, if you have a Bible, you can certainly bring it with you on Sundays and interact that way. The scripture that we go through is always on the screen, and certainly uh, you have access to the Bible app. Um, But episode two, that's where we're at here today. And as I mentioned last week, uh, episode one, it focuses on on several individuals, uh, people that we read about in um, God's Word, in in the Bible. Um, Those individuals are mainly who episode two focuses on. Um, However, we're just going to look at two people. 
even though these episodes uh, look at different individuals, just two people we're going to look at, and they're the same two people that we looked at last week. Anybody want to help me? Who are the two people that we looked at last week? Thank you. Mary and Nicodemus. Mary and Nicodemus. Uh, so Mary and Nicodemus, Mary Magdalene, so not Jesus' mom, Mary Magdalene, uh, they're interesting people in the Bible. Uh, so in the Bible, they are mentioned really only a handful of times, and they're not expounded upon like Jesus' disciples and some other individuals. Um, Mary, for instance. Mary's mentioned a couple times, uh, namely in Luke, where she is mentioned to have been possessed by uh, seven demons, and then Jesus healed her. Um, and then she's also present at Jesus' uh, death on the cross and then resurrection. So she's a big deal in the sense that she seemingly followed Jesus. That, that healing had such a profound effect that something happened from that point to her being at the cross when many of Jesus' disciples fled. Um, and then we are looking at Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, namely, has an interaction with Jesus in John chapter 3. Uh, verse 16, John three sixteen. that is something that Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Uh, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you've seen that, uh, that biblical reference at a football game, now you know what it means. Um, so John 3.16 is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. And uh, the only other time that Nicodemus is mentioned is then at uh, Jesus' burial, where Nicodemus is a part of that. Uh, so seemingly, again, we can assume that that interaction that Jesus had with Nicodemus had a profound impact on his life. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee, and, and he, was, uh, he was a ruler of Jewish, Jewish law, a perpetuator of that. And, and then to have his life dr so drastically changed, again, uh, seemingly, so that he's present and one of the few people that is uh, with Jesus when, when they bury him. That's a big deal. So what this series is doing is it's, is it's looking at what could have happened in between the lines in Scripture with some of these individuals. And so they're, they're creating kind of a narrative with, these, with these, uh, these people, namely Nicodemus and Mary, over these two episodes. And what we're going to do, as I mentioned, is we're going to use an interaction that they have in episode two as a springboard to uh, a truth that we find in God's Word. So you may remember um, episode one, Mary is possessed, which is biblical. She was possessed and then healed by Jesus, which happens in the episode. Prior to that, though, um, reading between the lines, we see Nicodemus, a high-ranking uh, Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee is in the Bible, I've used this description. It's basically the Darth Vader of the New Testament. So um, bad guys, right? They're the bad guys. And Nicodemus um, is a Pharisee, and he is um, forced by Roman officials to uh, go and heal Mary because the Romans want nothing to do with, with uh, uh, what they viewed of as, as the scum of the earth. They had a very, and this is historical, a very um, uh, downward look at uh, the Jewish population. And they were occupying um, the land at that time. The Jewish uh, people were under their regime. So Nicodemus goes and tries to heal Mary Magdalene, but it proves unsuccessful, and he actually is, is kind of terrified by this experience, and he goes away, 
And not only is he down on himself for not having the ability to be able to, to heal this woman and to cure her of these demons, but then um, he says this in the episode. He says, only God could have healed her. That's actually very poignant because at the end of the episode, Jesus comes in and actually heals Mary. We saw that video clip last week, and hopefully you've seen the episode. And so now we are in episode two, and Mary is a completely different person. Uh, we see her interacting with people. There's, she's filled with a semblance of joy and, and hope. Uh, she's carrying herself in a much different way. Um, and she's walking around the square, and in comes another Pharisee who's just kind of meandering through and sees Mary and notices that she's healed. And he freaks out, right? He freaks out and he runs away to tell all the other uh, Jewish officials that this has happened. And, and the reason why they then get so excited is because one of their own healed Mary, right? Nicodemus was there. Nicodemus was there and, and, and he, uh, he thought that he well, didn't succeed, but in fact, he did and healed Mary. And we got to celebrate this. We got to let everybody know. And in the episode, Nicodemus is like, oh, hold on a second. I need to investigate this. Let me go talk to Mary and see, see what's happened here. I just, I just need to see it with my own, with my own eyes. Now, just, just note that almost all of what I said, other than the fact that Mary um, was healed by Jesus and that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, all of that is in between the lines. That's all in the episode, all right? That isn't in Scripture, um, neither is this scene, but it's a very poignant one because of what Mary says, and it points us to what God says. Let's check it out. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you, you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. 
And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he, he performs miracles and seeks no credit? Well, what does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I. I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> It's a big deal what Mary says there in this encounter. Again, you know, this is a show. Um, this is a fictitious account that um, we are imagining what this interaction could have been. But Mary says some things here that are utterly profound. Let's listen to this again. This is what she just told Nicodemus. It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. He said, I am his, I am redeemed. I don't understand it myself. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I love that. <laughs> so yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. Now Paul, Paul talks about this. Paul talks about this in in. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. So, if you have your Bibles, you turn to Second Corinthians chapter five in the New Testament, after the Gospels, after Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in this uh, in this passage here, um, starting, I want to start, and I'm going to. This isn't going to be on the screen, actually. I want to read this to you. This is from Second Corinthians chapter five, starting with um, verse seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, so there are some words that were used there that we're going we're gonna to kind of unpack a little bit. Um, but did you catch what Mary's telling Nicodemus in this passage? There are some, as I mentioned, profound things because they are theological principles that actually speak to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, the first thing that she says of note that we need to pay attention to is that she says it wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Nicodemus was assuming, implying that it was him that had the ability, uh, for whatever reason, to heal Mary in this instance. And, and, and Mary's saying, no, it wasn't you. It was someone else. And then she tells Nicodemus this profound realization. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. 
And the thing that happened in between was him. When before her life was was full of desperation, it was full of hopelessness, it was full of discord, then all of a sudden now her life is full of hope and joy. She was one way and now she's completely different. And it's not just temporary relief, it's not just a band-aid, but it's for all time. Because then she says this, she says, I will know him for the rest of my life. This isn't temporary relief, this is a lasting forever relationship. Now there are three principles, and, and before we put them on the screen, because I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make life interesting for the tech guys up in the booth, because I'm completely changing what it is that we're going to talk about here today. They'll forgive me. There are three principles that, uh, that, ex- that um, are actually laid out here in what Mary's saying. Three theological principles that speak to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to talk um, really briefly about the second and third principle, and then I want to dive in into the first principle. So the, the second is this. The second principle is that redemption through Jesus, redemption through Jesus takes us from the old life into the new life. Now, this is, this is a combination uh, of, of two things that Paul is talking about. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, as we read, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Now, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've decided to find and to follow him, the Bible tells you that you are saved, that you are now a child of the Almighty God. And when that happens, you experience a new life, a new existence, a new purpose. You receive, what the Bible tells us, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters inside of you, and now you are motivated. You live your life by the Spirit, not by the flesh. You now have access to hope and to joy that, that is beyond anything that you could have had before. We've talked about that God-sized hole that exists in each of our lives before we give our life to Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. Paul's not only talking about how you're one way and then when you receive Jesus, you're another way, just like we talked about. He's talking about something even more beyond that. So this is, you guys are, you guys are going to totally relate to this. Think about the old life that you have or had and how it is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enter into a new life. Does that mean that you never sin? Does that mean you never struggle? Does that mean that you never experience hardship or fear or, or worry Does that mean that life is strife-free? Absolutely not. So that can't be the answer, can it? That that can't be the ultimate destination because it's deficient. 
So what's the ultimate destination? It isn't just that you are now in the new life and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you're motivated by the Holy Spirit and not by your flesh, even though you are still sinful and you struggle to not live according to your flesh and live according instead to the Spirit. It's not just that. Paul is saying that that new life is when you and I, when we receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that we become completely and utterly whole. That is, when we experience for eternity beyond this existence, the presence of God. What is that basic, simple, beautiful verse that many of us know and learn when we're five years old. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That new creation that Paul is talking about isn't just that that we have a hope and a joy in this life. No, it's that we will exist for all of eternity as whole and complete the way that God had originally intended. And then the third principle that, that, that um, Mary unknowingly alludes to is the redemption through Jesus brings the promise of eternal life. As we mentioned, um, when she says that I will know him the rest of my life, we are not meant to endure that strife, that pain, that grief, that worry, that fear, no, we're meant to be made completely and fully new. But this first principle, this is what I think is the most important here for this morning, and that is this. When Mary says to Nicodemus, it wasn't you, it was somebody else. You know what she's saying? It's what Paul is saying. The first principle is this, only God can save. Only God can save. Paul says this in in chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, all of this, all that we just looked at, is from God. It's from God and God alone. All this Paul's talking about reconciliation, how, how an unholy, uh, wicked, sinful humanity can, can be in the presence of a holy and perfect God that is only made possible through reconciliation, right? There's a void there, and that relationship needs to be mended. Well, that happens through Jesus Christ, but all of that becomes possible only from God. Why is that a big deal? When we talk about the gospel, we talk about Jesus, we talk about him dying on the cross, crucified, being buried, and then rising from the dead, defeating death, and providing a way for us to have life everlasting. That's what we talk about. That's the gospel. But we can't forget that the gospel, even though it is, it is Jesus crucified, the foundation is God doing what do, we mean by that? what do I mean by that? What I mean is that this is God's plan. This is God's desire. 
It is God who is bringing us into a right relationship with him. When I was seven years old, uh, my mother made uh, Swedish meatballs for the first time for me. I hate Swedish meatballs. If you like Swedish meatballs, more power to you, but keep them far away from me. She fed us with Swedish meatballs, and I refused to eat those soggy, weird-looking meatballs. And my mom, she told me that I could not get down from the table until I at least tried one of those Swedish meatballs. And my dad at that time, so seven years old, this was uh, uh, 1981, no, 1983, and, and he had this recorder that he would walk around with, and he would do interviews with us kids all the time. And then he recorded this stuff, and, and, and he's put them on CDs, and we have, I have these recordings, these interviews. And my dad, in his infinite wisdom, decided that this was the moment that he needed to have a conversation with his son. And so my dad gets this microphone out, and he begins to interview me as to why I'm not eating this, these Swedish meatballs. And he tells me, he says, okay, well, if you, if you don't, you know, eat one or try it, you know, mom says that you can't get up. And I'm, I, I say, I'm fine with that. He says, well, what about school? I'm not going to school anymore. What about your bed? I'm sleeping here. I was planting my flag. Subconsciously. I don't know if any of us intentionally have this, um, this stance, but I, I, I do believe that this exists on a subconscious level and it influences and informs how we live our lives. Whether you believe in Jesus, whether you've given your life to him or not, many people view God looking and engaging with us as I was looking and engaging with those Swedish meatballs. Many of us believe that God looks down on us, looks down on you, and says, "Eh, no thanks. And And then what happens is the gospel of Jesus, so Jesus crucified, again, we're not intentionally deciding this for ourselves, but it ends up becoming this kind of subconscious belief that informs um, and inspires much of what we do. But we then believe that Jesus was able to accomplish something for us that God wasn't willing to do. Am I making sense? We believe that that Jesus was was able to overcome God's unwillingness or stubbornness or hesitancy to be with you and to be with me. But that's not who God is. The gospel, the message of reconciliation that Paul's talking about, this right relationship between a holy God and a sinful humanity was only possible because God wanted it. What does that verse say? For God so loved the world. The only obstacle 
The obstacle that, that kept a holy God from a wicked and sinful humanity was not God's willingness, was not God's desire, was not God's, an absent of God's love in, for you and for me. Rather, it was the wrath of God for mankind's wickedness. And that's why, that's why the message of the gospel is so beautiful. Because the only way for that, for that relationship to be reconciled, to be restored, was for God's wrath to be quenched. And do you know where that wrath went? On the shoulders of his son, Jesus Christ. That is how much God loves you. It wasn't, it wasn't an unwilling venture. It wasn't that he had to be convinced by Jesus. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. God's love is beyond anything you and I could even begin to describe or imagine, but yet we try in vain to put it into a box and to make sense of it. We mitigate it. We shove it off because how could God love somebody like me? I'm just a Swedish meatball. <laughs> but God loves you and he's pursued you and it doesn't stop what does paul say paul says that god is in the process of reconciling us meaning that that moment when you stand before god having made a decision in this life to then not only find him, but to follow him, to be saved. When you stand before God, you will be wholly and completely made new. That's hope. Hope when we apply it to anything else is not hope. Because hope, this is, this is going to be a little philosophical here, but hope cannot be hope unless it is God's. Because hope cannot be hope if it will end. And everything that we attribute hope to has an end. And so the only hope that is truly hope is the hope that God provides because of his great love and pursuit of us that is so beautifully demonstrated through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, these words, these words that hopefully inspire us, that we saw in this episode, 
where the character of Mary says, and I will know him for the rest of my life. I pray that that would be true of everybody in this room. And Lord, I I pray that for those of us who have decided to follow you, to make you the leader of our lives, as I've mentioned before, I pray this for myself as much as I pray for anybody else here, but I pray that we lived saved. That we live as ones who have been redeemed. That we never forget the deep, tremendous, awe-inspiring love that you so painfully but yet beautifully displayed through your son Jesus. We pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Reminder that ushers are going to be at the back collecting benevolence for those in our church community and surrounding community and financial need. God bless. Hope you have a wonderful day.